try it again. All right. So, um, but but I, I want to leave with this because we'll probably run out of time, and I, and I just leave the rest of the time for discussion. We we got through most of the text that I wanted to get through, um, but I want to I want to I want I just want you guys to think about this. So, if in this text um, eight one, you know, say three to four, we're hearing the gospel again. And then in 9 to 11, we're seeing the results of the gospel. And he's bridging that together with this language of, 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 um, of walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And then, you know, we read that other paragraph that talked about the inner man and the, and the members of the body and that kind of thing. Um, I want you to go back and revisit Genesis 3 in your mind again. Because we started this with the fall and where death entered. And we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about life. Um, but I want you to think about this. The two trees that were there was the tree of life that would give eternal life. And then the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. And I want you to think about that. And a, a, a very common question that people have thought through and asked and just, just had to kind of think through and walk down that trail is if God said that when the moment you eat from that tree, you would surely die. And then we see sort of that Adam didn't die for a, for a long time after that. What's going on there? Was God dishonest or was he not clear? Or did we misunderstand what happened there? But as you look at the text immediately, I'm going to just go to my notes. How I wrote this because I probably won't think it out. But, but immediately Adam sensed something was wrong. And immediately he started hiding from God. And trying to cover himself and cover his nakedness. And God said, well, you know, who, who, who told you you was naked? He's like, he knew he didn't tell Adam he was naked. Who told him he did you eat of the tree? But what I want you to see is that's where this all began. But I want you to see in salvation is where it ends. Because just like um, he ate of that tree and we're just going to use the word spiritual and physical. We can see spiritually something changed. In the relationship between Adam and, and God, something radically changed. He was scared of God. He was hiding from God. He was covering up his actions from God. He didn't want God to see him naked. But look at what happens in Christ, how it's the complete opposite. When we're born again and we taste of that fruit, like, Jeff pointed it out a little bit earlier where it says, it says in verse, um, in verse six, it says for the mind, for, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, which is what Adam did. He set his mind on the flesh and he said, but to set the mind on the spirit, which is what we do in, in, um, in, in Christ and accepting Christ and be, becoming saved, born again, um, he said to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Um, I was listening to an article of the day and, and, and it said, you know, it was talking about how do you know you're saved? And one of the things is you think about that picture. We, we started one of these Bible studies a while back, but you think about that picture of Jesus in the boat, the storm is raging and the disciples are freaking out, but he's just asleep in the boat. I want you to see that's what happened to you when you got saved. There was a war going around. You were saying, I'm a wretched man. Who's going to save me from this body of death? And all of a sudden, when you accepted Christ, this um, in verse six, it says, 
that the spirit is life and peace. You receive two things when you were born again, as you received life from heaven, resurrection life from heaven came and lived and dwelled within you and you were at peace. It doesn't mean that the storm stopped. It doesn't mean that your finances got better. It didn't, maybe your marriage didn't get immediately better, your workplace, whatever. There's a lot of things in life that on the physical realm that didn't get better or didn't maybe necessarily immediately change. But in you, the most important, significant thing that could ever change, changed just in an instant, in a moment. And I want you to compare that to Adam. When he ate of that, that, that um, apple, immediately everything changed for him. The most important part, the core of his being, the most valuable part of who he was, was changed. It was ostracized. It was, it was in broken relationship between him and God. But what we're talking about here, and we're not continuing in the text, but if you continue in the text, it says that God adopts us, that we, the spirit, we, we, we feel like his children. We, we, we freely confess that he is our father. And that's because God has done a work in you. And if all of that is foreign to you or anyone that you know or love, then there's a problem. We can know that we're saved because in the middle of the storm, God gives us peace and he gives us life. He gives us hope. Um, so um, let me read this last little bit and I'll shut up. I just put this, how does the, 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 the life giving, how does the life giving related to death of the first Adam in Genesis three, just like Adam didn't fully physically die in Genesis three, he did immediately spiritually die. The moment he recognized his nakedness and feared God because of it, the start, this start, the broken relationship that for most only gets worse over time as we continue to fear God and we hide from him. In the same way, when we eat the bread of life, we immediately can find a peace with God and can come to realize you don't need to hide from him or cover up who you are. Come to him as Adam did originally, naked and unashamed. He already knows what you look like anyway, whether you try to hide it or not, be real and honest with your creator and ask him to direct your way. So I'm going to shut up with that and give you guys the rest of the time. Um, Cause I know a lot of people don't talk about this text It's meaty. Um, you know, did I halfway simplified? Was I too much in heresy or era? Um, did I shed some light? Um, I'm going to let y'all have it. But... I'll just share real quick, Dennis. Um, earlier when you were reading, you stopped at verse 8, and you said, um, if you only stop there, and, and I think, you know, the way a lot of people live their Christian life is they only stop there, is they see this struggle. And, you know, if you, if you count on your behavior or your emotions you're going to feel saved sometimes and lost at other times um but i like the way this text brings back what i always call positional truth uh but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you and that's a good reminder because look there's times i don't feel saved if it was if it was based on my behavior or based on the way i feel 
but I, I thank God that it's not based on on those things. It's based on His His truth and in uh, whom I believe, and it and that changes the relationship um, and changes the position of who I am as a child of His. Because um, this text can can get weighty, like you said, that there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and like Mr. Wayne said earlier, sometimes we're going to win some battles, but a lot of times we're going to lose those battles too. Um, but if you trust in, in yourself in the sense of quote unquote, how you're doing, how's your resume? I think you're going to feel, uh, you're going to, you're going to have a defeated life. You're going to feel, um, you know, like I said, saved sometimes and lost at other times. But when you understand that, that God has done a work on the inside of you and, and now he's called us to, to live outwardly what he's done inwardly you know positionally he has changed us on the inside now you know our responsibility is to to let that inward change um work its way out if you will in the sense of you know that it, we we should have a changed life based on on the being plugged in good analogy right that, that we've been plugged into the spirit and his his new birth that he's done within us has now changed us from who we once were to who we are now or, or will be amen well that's that's the uh that's the uh the last part of that statement was very important because of who we will be in grangeville i had a couple of brothers who were by anybody's standards uh godly men and uh and yet one one in particular kept saying but i'm not good enough i'm not good enough and he actually feared that he would not be accepted. And to me, in, in my battle, I must remember that I am good enough because God has confirmed in me that there is a spirit, living spirit that he is the father of and he is the future of. And I'm going to heaven, the plain language, I get to down to plain language, I'm going to heaven no matter what. And uh, so I worry about my brothers in Christ who get this feeling we're going to be in these battles until we leave this flesh behind. And if you don't overcome these battles in your heart and in your mind, by the, by the, uh, the love and forgiveness of Christ, you're going to always be haunted by these feelings of success. Paul said it himself. He said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? Uh, to me, knowing Paul by his writings, as well as I do, he was as saved as a human being in a human flesh of the body can be and had these battles going on until the day he died. So, you know, we must realize that we have a spirit, we are spiritual, and that we will continue to receive the life God has promised us. But the battle isn't over until we're with, with Christ in the end. And we got to we got to look at these battles and not be defeated. But. Yeah. What do you think, Rusty? You got anything this morning? No, I'm I'm just listening. It's a lot of a lot of good stuff. You know, I just I go with the uh, whenever we talk, like we've been talking. I just keep thinking about the heart. You know, our heart has to be filled with Him, and st staying plugged in is what's going to do that for us. You know, with our with the, our even though you know. The nature still, the sinful nature is still there. We just have to, you know, fill our lives with the Holy Spirit and uh, let our heart overflow 
with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. I think uh, to go around with Mr. Mr. Wayne was saying that, yeah, we do. We, we, we sin, we fall short, and then the, the, the thought creeps in because there's repercussions for sin no matter what, whether we're, you know, we're still in Christ or not. <laughs> but when those repercussions start hitting, we start wondering, at least me personally, like, man, I don't feel kind of like Mike said, I don't feel saved. Um, but ultimately there is no more, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Yet there is still repercussions for the sin. Um, so I think that's the thing. That's what the devil uses to, to leverage and, and, and work his way in to, to cause that doubt. And, you know, I, I listened to John MacArthur and he says, if, if, if we could lose our salvation, we would. And then, you know, how arrogant are we to think if we, you know, if we, if we couldn't, now I know this is going down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole, but you know, if we're thinking we're not saved, did we lose our salvation or were we never saved in the first place? Um, and then, like I said, John MacArthur said, if we could lose it, we would have lost it. I promise you. One thing I was thinking, um, Paul, had, and you jumped in the text to me, he said, you're good enough because you're clothed in Christ's righteousness. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know that, that if this text deals with that directly, but I, I will say like in verse four, it does use the word righteous. It attaches it to righteous requirement. So mine reads this way, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, that there was a requirement of the law um, that had to be accomplished. And we, if we made one mistake, um, then that made us guilty of it. We had a death sentence. So, so essentially, we could not, none of us, not then and not even now, can fully you know obtain the righteous requirement of the law but what he's saying you know in this text that we're looking at in that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit um that picture that he gave in the beginning of seven between the um let me try to scroll up to it of uh, uh, we, we we spent a little time that week about who's the woman who's the first husband the second husband we kind of went back and forth a little bit on it but if you read four verse seven four it says likewise my brothers you have died for the law through the body of christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit from god um i don't know if that made it made it clear but but what what god is doing because the law was weak and you know because of the flesh is he is actually accomplishing the righteousness that you and i were supposed to do in and through christ um so so this whole idea um god has done weak in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin he condemned and sinned the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us um so you know, I, I like, I've, I've been thinking through this and I, I like to think of it this way because earlier he says he's the just and the justifier. Um, I've heard if you've ever watched that American gospel on Netflix or so, there's a lot of people when they come to the atonement, they say, well, hey, God could have just forgave us. He didn't have to send his son to die. And they call that um, cosmic child abuse. 
but 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 what they failed to, to realize is that that God went it is true God you know in one sense it is true that God could have just forgave us you know but he didn't do he did beyond that he actually uh, he actually ob obtained and achieved the righteous requirement on the law on your behalf and he took the punishment for your sin so you know what's the old saying put that in your pipe and smoke it i mean like you have to chew on that a bit i mean those are those are weighty things that 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 our god i i was listening to something this morning about putting amazing back in grace you know and but but some of us have a you know some people not i won't say us but some people have an underrealized view of the glory of what god did in christ on our behalf and so these things are important that he actually qualified the righteousness that you couldn't qualify and he actually imputed to it to you and he actually took your punishment for every sin you would ever do that just it just keeps up in the ante if that that makes some sense um keith what you think yeah that's been a good study this morning i was just um uh, you know the spirit when it convicts it at the end of the day when you reflect on the day of the week or whatever it may be and you just sit there and think about it and how the spirits convicted you or uh how you've had those moments or the spirit gives you that aha moment and you reflect on it and respond to it accordingly. And as for forgiveness, it's, it's amazing because, and I hope I'm making sense with this, but you know, the spirit that convicts us, um, you know, re rejects that sin, what we do, but the spirit doesn't reject who we are though, you know, and that's the overwhelming. It makes me think of John 10. What is it? John 10, uh, the thief comes in the night to steal and destroy, but God gives us life abundantly. You know, it, it's just an overwhelming sense of uh, his grace and love. You know, uh, that's what I'm thinking about. And as you brought out the gospel in three through five, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's overwhelming to me, the love of that, the love poured out for us. Well, one last thing in seven, it says, um, I think it uses there, it says the mind of, of, for the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. One of the things that I just want to highlight about submit submission and just as just something that came out as I was studying for this, this whole content. And um, a week or two ago, we looked at and I've already mentioned some of that today, that there's this external like things like murder and adultery. But then those things lead to like we, we talked about Psalms 51 with David. Um, he, he committed murder and adultery, but that was lead it, leading from coveting another man's wife. And so Jesus taught on the Sermon of the Mount that going down deep into the heart. And so what we should be as believers is we should constantly be more and more thankful for the word of God. And as we read it, it should be the bread of life. It should be rich and we should more and more submit to it. That's why to me, this text that we've done from Romans five to eight, um, 11, um, diving in it is really important because 
if you get these things really right, everything else falls in, in the place. Um, sometimes we might, we major in the minor things and we, we failed to, um, and we minor in the major things, but I just want to, I want to highlight this word submission because it's what the fifth commandment, it says, submit to the, your parents. And then it tells other well, where the wives should submit to the husband, children submit to the parents, all that kind of thing. But I want you to think about this with the word of God. Over the last 10, 15 years, I have watched myself grow into submitting more and more to the word of God, to stop making what I want to say about Jesus or about the gospel, what I think, but what his word thinks. I've even got to the point as my memory has got bad, I just like, look, this is the verse. Let's go read it. Like, I don't even want to try to paraphrase it because I know I'm going to get one little word wrong and it's going to probably take away power from the word of God. But this point submit, I'll give you this idea. We use COVID tests. We use cancer tests earlier in the, in, in this series, but I want you to think of an MRI and as you're evangelizing, as you're discipling others, um, when you give the word of God, it's, it's an MRI, it's a COVID test, a spiritual COVID test. It's, it's, it, it basically tells you something about that person. But I want to go back to that picture where, where um, we talked about co covet leads to murder and adultery. And then all of that is, is tied to submission. But what Paul did in seven, he said, is the law sin? He said, no. He said, if it wouldn't have said co covet, do not covet, I, I wouldn't have known it was wrong. But he, what you see is Paul submitting to the law. If the law says don't do this, I'm not going to do it. Now, he's wrestling with submitting to it, but he's going to submit to it. But through that wrestling, he is identified what is the source of the problem. It's his fallen nature. It's his old nature. It's his sin nature. It's this body of death that he's dragging around. And when he realized what the problem was, what the main issue was, what did he say? He said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And he was able to more fully surrender and, 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 and submit to Christ. Some people, they're submitting to Christ the best way they can, but they can't amazingly submit to Christ because they don't know God's word. They don't know his gospel. And, and so if we as a, as a church, as a local church, as a local body, if we put words like sin and death, and the political correctness in uh, prison and 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 um and repentance, then we can't really submit and cling to Christ because we don't know how how bad we need to, and that's what I appreciate about this series and this text is Paul dives deep and he says we are in desperate need for Christ. But then he flips the table and he says, but this is what God does. So whether you go to how bad we need him or how great he, he is, how, how awesome his grace is, it's all a wonderful story. And we're lucky to be, you know, a part of it. So but but that word submission, when we're struggling, if you want to know, am I walking in the flesh or am I walking in the spirit? Just kind of hang out with submission. You know, I had a little lady, I had a lady come up at work the other day and she asked me to get off her property. I was at AT&T and we have certain access rights and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it stirred on me for a couple hours. <laughs> I didn't like the tone she did, the way she did it. But what was that? That was my flesh. That was my pride. 
Um, it was her property, you know, I mean, and there was, there was some things with it. I just didn't like the way she addressed, dressed it with me, but the word of God will say some things you don't want to hear. Sometimes your loving brothers in Christ will say some things you don't want to hear sometimes, but at the end of the day, is it your flesh or your spirit that's got the final say? Any final words before we jump off? Who wants to close us in prayer? Mike, you want to do it? Father, we just uh, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the way you love us, you care for us. Thank you for your rescue plan to deliver us from ourselves, God. And, um, uh, redeem us and 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 uh, just adopt us as as one of yours, Lord. Uh, it's a it's a love that I'm not sure I'll I'll fully understand while I'm still trapped in this flesh, Lord. But but I I trust in it. I believe in it that you um, you loved me. Uh, in spite of myself, Lord, and, and you desire to to do a work um, in me and in us as your children, Lord, that um, that only you can do, Lord. I just thank you for that. I thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for these guys today, Lord. Just um, I just pray over them, Lord, that you would help them uh, just walk and walk in the spirit, walk in the newness of life, Lord. I thank you for just the conversations that have been had today. And um, I just pray that it would, it would do what you uh, challenged us to do is to, to sharpen one another. Um, so uh, Lord, just sharpen us as, as your men and help us to um, be your ambassadors here uh, on this earth, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Yeah. I've been I've been trying to post a little outline and some a written content of of, of 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 the content we're doing. So um that'll be on the little website if you want to look at it. This week had a lot of questions that we probably didn't um address, but they're just simple questions you can ask yourself. I did put in parentheses kind of a, a sort of response because sometimes someone asks a question and you're like, what do they mean by that? So um, just read the question, ask it for yourself. If you want to ignore my answer, that's great. But if you're, if you're a little confused and you want to look at that, and if you have a problem with my answer and you want to shoot me a text or something and say, hey, look, I don't, I'm, I'm not understanding where you're coming from with that, then surely do that too, guys. So hope you have a great Sunday morning. You too, too. Nice to meet you, Mr. Wayne.